0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. If you're new here, here's how we do things. I watch a show, I talk about that show. You listen and you enjoy. For today, I've got a fun one for you guys. We're going to be going over the Netflix anime series, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Part 6, Stone Ocean. Had a super fun time watching this one, and I had a super fun time chatting about it too. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Roll the intro. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. If you aren't already familiar with the franchise of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it follows the Joestar family bloodline over the course of different generations. And each season, you're following a different protagonist that has the Joestar bloodline. And each of them... True to form goes on a bizarre adventure, and they are always undoubtedly the protagonists of the story. They're always the good guys, and they are faced against different forms of evil. That can be in the form of vampires, that can be in the form of mafia bosses, in the form of uh, serial killers, and most notably uh, the evil king of the vampires, Dio, who is a looming threat throughout most of the season. Of course, this anime series is based off of the manga created by Hirohiko Araki. And where I think this author really shines is his ability to not only introduce new settings, characters, and worlds that you fall in love with every time, but to keep those worlds fresh. Each season is drastically different than the one that comes before. We have settings that take place where the characters are traveling with horse and buggy, and that, and you see the generations progress in technology and in powers, and in personality really, up to the point where most recently the characters have cell phones and it's much more modern day, modern day age. The Stone Ocean series that we're going to be breaking down here, it seems like the setting for that is let's say mid-2000s, 2007 to 2010 is, is the read on it that I have. But not only is each season drastically different and has its own unique charm and world building to it, But somehow he's able to to maintain that tone of Jojo throughout each season, even though that they are just crazy different seasons. And I mean, really, we're dealing with completely different subject matter in each one. Sometimes your main villain is a crime lord mafia gang boss, and sometimes your main antagonist is is a serial killer. And sometimes it's a vampire, like I said before. So, you know, drastically different storytelling, yet no matter where you plop into the series, whatever season you're watching, you know that you're watching Jojo. This show creates a tone that's separate from any other genre I've ever seen. It's, it wouldn't be too bold to say that Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is its own genre in of itself. It plays on a lot of shonen tropes that you see in a lot of different anime, but it's also drastically funny and it's really dramatic as well. This show does more than pretty much any other show like it, and I have to give it all praise for that. But we're not here today to talk about all the seasons of JoJo. No, we're here to specifically talk about part six, Stone Ocean. Netflix dropped this just a couple weeks ago, and this is actually only part one of the season so far. It's an interesting drop strategy, knowing how long the seasons tend to be in JoJo I'm expecting this to have at least three parts since part one was only 12 episodes. So that's what we're going to be breaking down. The first 12 episodes of Stone Ocean, which is part six to the JoJo franchise overall. Let's get into it with episode one here, guys. So right away, we're introduced to who our protagonist of the season's going to be. And her name is Jolene Cujo. Notably, this is the first female star that we actually follow throughout the series. So that's that's going to bring its own unique twist on the season just as is. And she is actually the daughter of Joe Taro, the star of Stardust Crusaders, which is actually my personal favorite season of the series. But she actually takes she takes after her father a lot. When we were first introduced to Joe Taro in his respective season, he came off he was kind of a bad boy. He was very menacing. He was hard to kind of break open and has a tough exterior. And that's very much so what Jolene's character is as well. We're actually introduced to her on her way to a trial because she got arrested for some crime. Later on, we find out that she's more or less being framed for this crime, or at least the circumstances are being exaggerated to a sense to have her locked up. But as her, as we're introduced to her character, we're realizing that she is a bit rebellious. She does have a history of theft and some crime, petty as it may be. She is certainly considered a criminal at this point. However, that, it, that is certainly having to do with the fact that she doesn't have her father in her life, which brings me to a point about the stars in general. While they are the definitive heroes of the JoJo story, they're notably bad fathers. We see countless situations where they are not being very good fathers and are not being very loyal to their wives either. Before this season, uh, Joe jo Taro's grandfather, Joseph Joestar, who was the main character of the second season of Jojo's jo Bizarre Adventure, who was somebody who had just a heart of gold. We had no-, no reason to believe that he would be morally questionable, but he ended up having like an affair and a secret child, uh, later on in his life. Uh, that secret child, of course, being the main character of one of our other seasons, but. True to form like this, we find out that Joe Taro has just not been present in his daughter's life pretty much at all. And that definitely informs her her tough exterior and why she's become so rebellious at this point of her life. It's certainly a weird choice for the show to have their characters existing in this morally grey area at times. At least that's only how it pertains to their own families as it goes to fighting evil at large. They never miss a step, so It's certainly interesting. I don't know quite why the author would go with this decision, but he does, and it does still work, and I appreciate that he isn't just turning in a a paper-thin good guy story here. They do have layers to their characters, which at the very least is interesting. So throughout really the first two episodes, we're following Jolene on her way to this maximum prison. This actually takes place in Florida. If you aren't familiar, I myself am from Florida. I live in Florida currently. So it's nice to see a little bit of Florida representation, whoop whoop. But she's on her way to this prison. She definitely she gets the sentence of fifteen years and it's it establishes a really unique setting for this season. We haven't seen one take place just in one area. Uh the closest comparison to that would be the season of Diamonds Are Unbreakable, where it took place over the course of one big one city, you know, it was Morio. And that was a really interesting concept, but this one sets itself out because it takes place in a prison completely, which obviously sets up for its own unique rules. It's a very unique choice because what I'm used to out of this series are globetrotting adventures where they start at one point and end up on the other side of the world. Uh, that hasn't been present in every season, but the bulkier seasons have had that structure. And so it is, it is nice to see that uh, some new life brought into it with a unique setting like this. I am hoping that as we progress through the different parts of this season that we end up leaving the prison a little bit. It is a really cool setting, and I like the different uh, rules that it can set up. And the, the prison break structure is also a really interesting one and a fun one to play with. But I do find that it would be limiting in the long run, and I would really like to see this character really uh, flesh out this character in a setting that's beyond this prison, hopefully down the line a little bit. The first character that we really get time to get to know is Jolene's cellmate, and her name is Gwess. She has an interesting stand ability. Uh, by the way, a stand ability <laughs> in this world, all the all the main characters have stands, which essentially are like metaphorical manifestations of themselves. However, this this manifestation of themselves in their spirit uh, comes with powers, and their own u- each one has their own unique set of abilities that's that's pretty much the main power system that we're using at this point in the series the series started off with a different one called Hamon but that has progressed to stands which is pretty much the calling card for this series at this point is the different type of stands abilities one thing that has been notable and certainly worth praise up to this point and every season is the different application of these stands and uh, uh, the, art, the author's ability to constantly surprise us with stand abilities that create for really unique battle sequences is potentially the thing that keeps this story going and keeps it with so much life and just heart blood. It's really it's really impressive. But like I was saying, her, her, her cellmate is used basically narratively to introduce us to what stands are for this season and introduce our character to what it is. It also provides Jolene the ability to explore her stand a little bit in comparison to the stand of her cellmate. Her cellmate, Gwess, essentially has the stand ability to shrink in and enlarge in different thi- objects and people. This was a super fun way to bounce the two characters off each other and and basically have Jolene face her first major threat, at least uh, physically speaking. Uh, it was cool. It definitely had fun with it. It happened really quick, and then it was just kind of over... One thing that is a little weird to me is how much they introduce the cellmate character of Gwess, but she really hasn't been relevant after we move past that. We get short glimpses of her, I think, in episode three and again in episode five, but she doesn't really do anything to affect the plot. And I really assume that she would join kind of our main crew, but at least where we find ourselves by the end of part six, excuse uh, excuse me, uh, the end of part one of part six, it gets very confusing here. Uh, by the end of episode twelve, she just isn't very relevant at all. So I'm interested to see if they're gonna bring her back into the fray a little bit or if she's just gonna stay where she is. But once we move right past that, we start to get the situation set up where Jolene is going to be confronted by her dad, Joe Taro, for the first time in at the very least many years. Uh, at the very least her in her most recent memory. And on her way to go meet with him, she's in she's confronted by this ghost character, which is a small child who is said to essentially have been uh, lived here his whole life. The, the situation around his ghostly hood and his level of sentience within the prison walls is a little bit confusing for me at this time. I'm sure that we'll get more context to his character with some kind of twist reveal because he is very relevant at this point. And I'm sure that there's going to be more to his character than meets the eye. But yeah, he is interesting. It's not our first time in this series dealing with ghost type characters. But this season definitely turns it up to an 11, and this is the most they've impact the story. But putting a pin in that, we see the interaction between her and Jotaro. And basically, they're forced to have to band together when they start getting attacked by another stand user. And throughout this attack, it gets revealed to the audience that the reason why Jolene is even in this prison to begin with was due to the schemes of somebody who is trying to capture information out of Jotaro. So by creating the situation where Jolene has to spend this time in prison, he's essentially, he is the assumption at this time, essentially is baiting Joe Taro into the situation. So that way he can steal his stand and his memories. We get the reason for that revealed a little bit later on. So we'll circle back to that, certainly. But it was it's nice to see that every little bit of the story up to this point, you know, we're in episode three to four dealing with this plot has been calculated, and you can kind of see the steps of the way that got it there. Long story short, Jotaro ends up taking the bullet for Jolene in a, in a nice sacrificial moment. The interaction they set up between the two characters leans into the drama side that Jojo loves to provide, and you can tell it's more or less a miscommunication situation. We have yet to get further details on it, but essentially Jotaro implies that the reason he's been estranged from his daughter is more or less because he cares about her. You know, oh, I was staying away for your own safety type of deal. Of course, I think we're going to need a little bit more evidence to show why that was a valid decision for him, but I'm sure we'll get that later on down the road. But Jotaro at this state is essentially... He's in a purgatory state. He's not quite dead, but he's unresponsive. Um, that's because the the stand user we're dealing with has this ability, once someone's essentially killed or defeated to a certain extent... He can remove these two discs from them. One disc is the stand disc. So he kind of holds on to their stand ability. And then the other one is their personality disc where he has access to their memories, essentially. Later on, without spoiling who the person behind this whole situation is, we get revealed the motivation for the stand user. And I think it's really good. One thing I was critical of is, in my opinion, every JoJo season, I think that it it's important to have Dio's presence be involved with it, at least to some degree. Dio is essentially the main antagonist of the series. He doesn't always act as the main antagonist of that specific season, but the implication of his evil is present in at least every single season. Dio was the original antagonist from the first season, and due to circumstances, he essentially continues to revive himself, and he 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 stands to be a threat multiple generations later, and his story is always tied directly to the Joe Star line as well. Super interesting character. There's a lot there. I should make a whole podcast just about the relationship between Dio and the Joe stars, but that's besides the point right now. The main antagonist for this season, or at least this first part, reveals that the information he's trying to get out of Joe of Joe of Taro is essentially a secret that was left behind from Dio. I'm sure that the secret is going to be some way to revive Dio again. I'm I. That's my prediction because we got to get Dio back into the fray, right? But it actually gives us a cutscene back all the way to the end of Stardust Crusaders where Jotaro consumes some information in this book left behind by Dio and then burns it so that nobody can get it. In my opinion, what information could be so vital other than reviving Dio, right? Of course, but... The main antagonist doesn't even know that necessarily. He just knows that there is precious information there, so his main goal is just to you know get that information. So Jolene's main goal is to receive those discs back. She it, she doesn't even realize the information that's on those discs, but she seems for sure that if she's able to get those discs and return them back to her father Taro's body, that he'll that she'll be able to revive him essentially. I'm not quite sure where the logic comes from this. I don't think that they did a good job convincing me that that would work or giving me any real reason why it would work. But she seems sure of it and the Joe stars are always right. So I'm here. I'm along for the ride. So with that being marked as our main motivation uh, for Jolene this season, she actually has a, has a moment where she's able to walk away from the prison system free. But she returns because she has this sense of duty. She's going back so she can get those discs back for her father. She honestly could have left the prison at any point. The only reason she's still there is is to see through her goal. It's really impressive to me that they're, they're able to communicate that she is super capable at all times, that she could have left at any point, and I definitely believe that for her and her standability. So now that we have her motivation for the season, we are met with different antagonists that are essentially getting in the way or trying to get the diss back from her or she's trying to get the diss from them. That's kind of... The bulk of what the season is, you know, five episodes five through eleven are really just dealing with different stand users that are sent by this ominous threat that were the person who has the disk stand ability, and they're just essentially being thrown at her way uh, to provide different obstacles for her and her friends to overcome. This is a great way to get to know her stand and see all the different applications of it. It's a very unique one. I haven't seen one like it depicted in the series so far. And it's actually that she has a thread ability. She can extend this super long thread, and it has a ton of different applications. She can use it for defense. She can use it for tying things off. She can even use it for communication. And it, it was super fun seeing her ability at play. And it's always satisfying to get that classic Jojo aura 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 beat down on whatever enemy they end up uh, getting the upper hand on. But there is a small critique I have with this. And... This is probably a critique that could be relevant to all seasons. Um, however, I'm definitely feeling it the most with this one is that sometimes the plot lines, while they always set up a really unique battle sequence and that's, that's the funnest part of watching these Jojo episodes is seeing these different standabilities, create different circumstances that you've never seen before, truly unique circumstances that you have, that you have to see these characters figure out a solution. However, in this season it feels like all the solutions are just but wait i was actually counting on this the whole time and that again that is something that's happened in almost every jojo season but it feels like this one the 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 way that joe lean always has the upper hand secretly is a little bit cheap and let me explain what i mean by that cuz it's not that that there have not been other jojos that have pulled the rug from under the viewer and the antagonist and you know I had this trap card the whole time but it feels like every battle that Jolene is engaged in it, it's essentially like you as the viewer have no way of possibly guessing how the how the how it could be, be tied up it's not that I want it to be predictable it's that I want it to be possibly figure outable you know what I mean so where you, when you do get that reveal you're like oh that's awesome that's such a unique application of her power However, in most of these reveals to me it feels more like, oh, I guess she can do that with her power. I mean, if you say so, then I guess she can do it. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's a small critique. I still have a lot of fun watching these, but the satisfaction of how she, you know, secretly was ahead of the game the whole time is is not quite there as it's been present in other seasons. It's a small critique, but it's something I've noticed. That being said, the Jolene character certainly does set herself as uh, a great a great JoJo. That's always kind of the benchmark you're looking for going into these. How is this character going to make a strong impression after the character that I just spent all this time growing to love? And truly, every time I watch a new season, I'm always convinced that this is my new favorite season. So kudos on the show for always, always providing that. Maybe Jolene might fall a little flat based on some of the other Honestly, just the other stand abilities that we've really gotten to know recently. Hers is just a little bit more muted at this point, but I'm happy to see where they evolve with the character. We're only 12 episodes in, and I'm sure we have plenty more to really figure out what she's all about. Certainly one of the aspects that make a Jojo a good Jojo season are the characters around our Jojo character. Characters that come to mind as soon as when I say that would be like Polnareff from Stardust Crusaders. Or from Diamond is Unbreakable, we have Koichi kun makes a really strong impression with his stand and just his writing. It's something that the show is very consistent with. It's just having these awesome foils or comedic relief or what have you around. One thing I think that this season so far, that is kind of the weakest apartment. Uh, There are some cool characters that she's kind of getting a squad up with right now. But they don't provide that much in the way of comedy, in my opinion or in the way of really cool characters. In the most recent season before this one, Bruno was an awesome character who wound up stealing the spotlight a lot of the time. And these characters are not bad by any means. They just fall a little bit short when you compare them to some of the more awesome characters we've had in the past. It actually brings up what may be a concern for the season is is he does the author struggle to write female characters? Looking back throughout the series, they're are not that many strong female characters we certainly have a few like he does make an effort to have some female characters being relevant and affecting the plot in a positive way however anyone who watches jojo knows that it's a boys party (laughs) like there are they outnumber the female main characters just about seven to one on any given season so that might be an interesting lens coming into it that the author just might not be amazing at writing female characters of course, I'm, I'm really hoping that it does uh, pick up pace a little bit and that we get better writing for these characters. But at the moment, they're just a little bit flat. Again, not bad characters, just a little flat on the screen. The whole first 12 episodes of part one of part six here can honestly be looked at as one big uh, prologue because as, as all these events are coming to a head, the big, the big uh, climax of it all is is Jolene almost figuring out who's behind the disc situation. Us, the audience, have figured it out for a few episodes now that it's this priest character who has a history with Dio from his young age. I think he was 16 or 15 when he first had that interaction with Dio, and now he's about, let's say, 30, 35, something along those lines. He's definitely a really cool antagonist. He's basically the priest for this prison So it's really cool. I'm assuming that we'll see some characters bounce off him a little bit later on in the series, maybe in the form of confession, but he is truly terrifying. As far as villains go in the JoJo series, he's certainly the lowest ranking one at the moment, just in terms of menacing ability and just his stand ability. I'm not too sold on him quite yet, at least as far as what he can do power wise, However, personality-wise, he's one of the cooler ones we've had. And he definitely uh, is just one of the more unique versions of a villain because he's not necessarily pure evil. He doesn't want to see the world burn. He just has a very specific goal and is doing everything in his power to achieve it. So I do think he's really cool. They really set up him and Jolene on opposite sides of each other in this situation where they both have a lot of information and a lot of power. And it's it properly sets up the stage for... What's to come later down the road? So if you are with me and willing to accept the first 12 episodes as a prologue, I think that it does a really good job as that. I do think that the next set of episodes really needs to elevate it a little bit to cement the series as being able to stand up there with the rest of the JoJo series. All, All in all, I do think it was a lot of fun. I love watching JoJo in general, and it does recapture that JoJo magic. However, at the moment, it probably falls short of just about every other season at this very moment. Of course, we're only maybe a third of the way through it, so there's plenty of time for this show to prove me wrong. Oh my gosh, before I'm done, I have to talk about Weather Forecast. Him as a character steals the show. He gets introduced at around episode 9-10 and plays a big part in that 11-12 episode uh, area. He has such a cool quirk, I've excuse me, not quirk, oh my gosh, I'm watching too much My Hero Academia, guys. He has such a cool stand ability, I have not seen one depicted like this. I'm also a little bit confused about his character overall, because he's kind of a ghost, but also has these abilities. I don't know, he's a weird, he's kind of just a stand in and in, in of himself, but the way that they animate the clouds around him is just super unique. I've never seen any standability depicted in the way that they do him and his character quirks are just really funny and watching him fight and battle with Jolene was super cool he the if there's any critique it's that he becomes the coolest character on the screen anytime he's on there so I actually forgot to mention him as part of the supporting cast uh so yeah he actually is a strong argument that this uh, you know as a supporting character he he is doing a lot for it I enjoy him a lot. That being said, what does it say that the most interesting supporting character is the only male one? I mean, I do think that this author might have a bit of a problem here with writing female characters. That was just a quick side tangent. My bad. All in all, guys, if you're looking for a recommendation, this is definitely worth your time. It's it's If nothing else, it's very fun. It is funny. You will laugh, and you'll get that sense of adventure, and you'll get that sense of awe as well. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 turns in... Yet another truly bizarre, it's the most accurate naming of any show I've ever seen, but the most truly bizarre set of circumstances and unique characters and style and flair. Super fun watch, guys. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. And definitely check out my next review on this series once Netflix drops the next set of episodes. As always, I've been Darius Cook. Thank you for listening to The Darius Show. I love you.